And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the lunch, you man. Sam, sweetheart. Don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Masked Avenger. Uh, This is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of a Christmas comedy episode of The Great Gildersleeve, starring Willard Waterman from 1950. Then, Shirley Temple hosts A Daddy for Christmas on Family Theater from 1948. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Are you enjoying this Great Gildersleeve episode? I do love The Great Gildersleeve. I know you do. I'm one of the fans. I know, you know, not everybody likes everything. My brother doesn't like Gildersleeve. I know, but especially the Christmas shows are a lot of fun. Oh, I know. Well, last time we began listening to a very heartwarming episode of The Great Gildersleeve. Let's go back to December 20th, 1950, for the conclusion now of The Great Gildersleeve. Well, there's a fancy Christmas package under the tree at Catherine Milford's house from Gildersleeve's rival, Dr. Olson. What's in it? That's what the water commissioner would like to know. Whatever it is, I'll get her something better. He may have the edge on me at the hospital, but by George, I'll beat him under the Christmas tree. He'll go all out. Hello, Phoebe. Hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. What can I do for you this afternoon? Yeah, I'm looking for a Christmas present, Peepy. For a lady. Something extra special. A uh, gift for Miss Milford, is it? You bet. That sneaky Dr. Olson bought her something that looks pretty nice. But I'm going to go in one better. I'm going to get her something so beautiful and so clever, it'll make him look silly. My, my. Any suggestions, Peepy? Well, what does she like? Has she dropped any hints? Not lately. All she talks about is those little kids she takes care of at the hospital. Must be something clever and original I could get for her, Phoebe. How about a subscription to Look Magazine? (laughs) Well, how about a nice set of scales? Women like to weigh themselves, you know. She can weigh herself at the hospital, Phoebe. Does she like sweet meat? Sweet meat? We have some very attractive boxes of candied prunes. Quite helpful, too. (laughs) No, Phoebe. Well, how about some nice musical bath salts? No. A ballpoint pen? No. Mr. Gildersleeve, you're rather hard to please. You <laughs> first. Phoebe, I've got to get something different. Something original. Now, you've had plenty of experience at this Christmas thing. That's true. You've been buying Christmas presents for Mrs. Phoebe for 20 years. Yes, I have. Well, certainly after all that time, a man should know what it takes to please a woman. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I can see you're going to be no help at all, Pete. I'm going over to Hogan, brother. That's a good idea. Happy shopping, Mr. Gildersleeve. Happy shopping. Oh, what a mob in these stores. Why does everybody wait till the last minute to buy presents? Oop, you watch that umbrella, lady. Second floor, phonographs, radios, toys. Uh, out on two, please. 
Yeah. You might get her a radio. No, everybody has a radio. I'd be more original than that if I'm going to beat that slick intern. Christmas won't mean a thing to me unless I outdo it. Well, cute toys up here. Is that you, Miss Gilbert? Well, hello, Bertie. What are you doing up here in the toy? Oh, I got a lot of little nieces and nephews I have to buy for. Oh, yeah. They don't have much, so when I show up every Christmas with my arms full of toys, they think I'm some pumpkin. You know, but they do, Bertie. Say, what if I showed up with an armful of toys for those kiddies at the hospital? The ones Miss Milford is so fond of. Them children would think you're some pumpkins, too, Miss Gilsey. Well, I guess they would. What's more, I'd be some pumpkins with Miss Milford, too. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you bet. Nothing I could do that would impress her more. Right, George, this is a great idea we had, Bertie. Quick! Quick! I want to buy some toys! Yeah, that Dr. Olson can never top this. I'll walk in on Catherine, pass out these toys to her little kitties, and tell her this is my Christmas present to her. You, what can she say? Except that I'm the greatest guy in the world. And the kids will get a kick out of it, too. <laughs> Intern, turn in your suit. You're through. Yeah, this must be the ward. I see some children. Well, hello, little children. Hello. Hello. Uh, where's Miss Milford? She'll be back. She wants to get our orange juice. Well, I'll just put these packages down and wait. Are you Santa Claus? Hey, me? No, he's not Santa Claus. He hasn't got a white beard. But he's nice and fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's not Santa Claus. Santa Claus never comes around here. No, wait a minute, young fellow. I'm sort of a Santa Claus. I brought all these presents to you children. For us? Honest and truly? Oh, boy! You see, Stuffy, he is Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, boy, I gotta come over and see him. Stuffy's lucky. He's in a wheelchair. Oh. Well, I'll bring the presents around to your little beds when Nurse Milford comes. I want to open mine. No, no, wait a minute, Stuffy. Shouldn't open presents until Christmas. I don't want to open mine until Christmas. I just want to dream about what's in them. Yeah, that's the idea, little girl. While we're waiting for Nurse Milford, will you read us a Christmas story? Christmas story? That's what she was doing. Yeah, they're in that book. Well, I like stories. Used to read them to my niece and nephew. Let's see what we have here. Yeah. Oh, Why the Chimes Rang by Raymond MacDonald Alvin. I like that one. I don't know it. Well, I've been in the hospital longer than you have. <laughs> well, let's read it. We don't have much time. Once upon a time, in a faraway country, there was a wonderful church. It stood on a high hill in the midst of a great city. And every Sunday, as well as on sacred days like Christmas, thousands of people climbed the hill to its great archways, looking like lines of ants all moving in the same direction. They don't allow ants in the hospital. Stop interrupting, Stuffy. Yes, you must listen, Stuffy. Now, all the people knew that at the top of the tower was a chime of Christmas bells. They'd hung there ever since the church had been built and were the most beautiful bells in the world. Some described them as sounding like angels, far up in the sky. Others, 
sounding like strange winds singing through the trees. But for many years, they had never been heard. Why didn't the bells ring? Well, we're coming to that. It was said that people had been growing less careful of their gifts for the Christ child, and that no offering was brought which was fine enough to deserve the music of the chimes. Every Christmas Eve, people still crowded to the altar, each one trying to bring some gift better than any other. Why'd you do that? Well, for personal reasons, I guess. They were trying to make a big impression. Oh. Now, where were we? Oh, yes. Now, a number of miles from the city, in a little country village, lived a boy named Pedro and his little brother. They'd heard of the service in the church on Christmas Eve and planned to go see the beautiful celebration. Nobody can guess, little brother, Pedro would say, all the fine things there are to see and hear. And I have even heard it said that the Christ child sometimes come down to bless the service. What if we could see him? The day before Christmas, Pedro and little brother were able to slip quietly away and although the walking was hard in the frosty air, before nightfall, they had trudged so far, hand in hand, that they saw the lights of the big city just ahead of them. They were about to enter one of the great gates in the wall that surrounded it, when they saw something dark on the snow near their path, and stepped aside to look at it. What was it? Well, let's see. There, by the path, was a poor woman who had fallen in the snow, too sick and tired to get in, where she might have found shelter. And Pedro knelt down beside her. You will have to go on alone, little brother, he said. Alone? cried little brother. But you will not see the Christmas festival. No, said Pedro. And he could not keep back a bit of a choking sound in his throat. See this poor woman. Her face looks like the Madonna in the chapel window. And she will freeze to death if nobody cares for her. But I cannot bear to leave you and go on alone, said little brother. Both of us need not miss the service, said Pedro. And it'd better be I than you. You can easily find your way to the church. And you must see and hear everything twice, little brother. Once for you and once for me. And oh, if you get a chance, little brother, to slip up to the altar without getting in anyone's way, take this little silver piece of mine and lay it down for my offering when no one is looking. But in this way, he hurried little brother off to the city and winked hard to keep back the tears as he heard the crunching footsteps sounding farther and farther away in the twilight. The great church was wonderful that night. When the organ played and the thousands of people sang, the walls shook with the sound. And little Pedro, way outside the city wall, felt the earth tremble around him. At the close of the service came the procession with the offerings to be laid on the altar. Rich men and great men marched proudly up to lay down their gifts to the Christ child. Some brought wonderful jewels. Some brought baskets of gold, but the chimes did not ring. The last of all came the king of the country, hoping with all the rest to win for himself the chime of the Christmas bells. There went a great murmur through the church. 
people saw the king take from his head the royal crown, all set with precious stones, and lay it gleaming on the altar as his offering to the holy child. Surely, everyone said, surely we shall hear the bells now, for nothing like this has ever happened before. But still, only the cold old wind was heard in the tower. And the people shook their heads. And some of them said, as they had said before, that they never really believed the story of the chimes and doubted if they ever rang at all. Suddenly, everyone looked at the old minister. who was standing by the altar, holding up his hand for silence. Not a sound could be heard from anyone in the church. But as all the people strained their ears to listen, there came softly, but distinctly, swinging through the air, the sound of the chimes in the tower. So far away, and yet so clear the music seemed. So much sweeter were the notes than anything that had been heard before. Rising and falling away up there in the sky. But the people in the church sat for a moment. As still as though something held each of them by the shoulders. Then they all stood up together and stared straight at the altar. To see what great gift had awakened the long silent bells. But all that the nearest of them saw. Was the childish figure of little brother. Who had crept softly down the aisle. When no one was looking, and it laid Pedro's little piece of silver on the altar. That was a wonderful story. Why did the bells ring when little brother laid the piece of silver on the altar? Well... Why didn't they ring when the great men brought jewels and things? Well, like the book said, each one was trying to bring some gift better than any other. Those men were trying to outdo each other. What little Pedro gave out of the goodness of his heart. He didn't have any ulterior motive. What's an ulterior motive? Well, I guess that's what I had when I came here. That's Miss Milford coming. It is? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll be going. Aren't you going to wait and see our nurse? Where are you going, mister? Well, I, I think I'll sneak out this side door. Well, that's not important anymore. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'll tiptoe down the back steps. Well, five o'clock. I didn't know the hospital had chimes. Christmas, everyone. Portions of the preceding program were transcribed. It's Groucho Marx and You Bet Your Life on NBC. And that's The Great Gildersleeve from December 20th, 1950, a Christmas present for Catherine... 
That stars Willard Waterman, also in that cast. Kathy Lewis, Earl Ross, Lillian Randolph, and Walter Tetley. Sponsored by Kraft, is heard on NBC. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's Family Theater starring Shirley Temple. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. We really appreciate all of our radio stations and all of our listeners. And we have a podcast that is at our website at Hollywood360radio.com for our listeners because sometimes not all of our radio stations carry the full show. Sometimes they only carry a few hours of the show. So we want our listeners to hear the entire show here at Hollywood 360. In order to do that, you might need to listen to a podcast. So we post a podcast every single week at Hollywood360radio.com. Also at that website are thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures of Lisa Wolf. Right, Mike? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. There's one picture There's of you one out of there, me I'm sure. And one of you, I well, think. Well, I'm pretty yeah. sure that is my only job here. Yeah. Right? Is take to just pictures. take some photos and post them on the website. Look, so. And the pictures that we're in, I'm yeah. pretty sure Lisa's in She's too, in those. So. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. anything solo of us. I think it's in her contract. <laughs> Could be. I think that's the number one thing on my job list. I think so. So it makes sense. Well, I do, do my job well. You do look. Great in all the pictures. Oh, wow. Well, that's my goal. Well, Thank you know you. what happens, Mike, when she takes a picture and she doesn't think she looks good in it, right? What happens? It that gets never deleted. Happens. It gets deleted. <laughs> that never she happens. She takes another one. I look good in every picture that's I true. take. That's true. This is true, Lisa. Plus, you're very <laughs> humble, too. <laughs> all right. We're going to listen now to Family Theater. This was a great radio series. Came to radio in 1947 and lasted until 1957. It was produced by Family Theater Productions, a film and radio studio extension of the Family Rosary Crusade, founded by the Holy Cross priest Father Patrick Payton as a way to promote family prayer. And the motto of this series was the family that prays together stays together. Top stars appeared on this series, including James Stewart, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Jack Benny, Lucille Ball, and many, many more. And on this particular episode, a good Christmas show, Shirley Temple is the host. And this is from December 15, 1948. It's called A Daddy for Christmas. It stars Pat O'Brien along with Bobby Driscoll and Linda Johnson. It was heard on Mutual, part one now of Family Theater. The Mutual Broadcasting System, in cooperation with Family Theater Incorporated, presents transcribed A Daddy for Christmas, starring Pat O'Brien Linda Johnson, and Bobby Driscoll. Shirley Temple is your hostess. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. When I was a little girl, I once received a doll for Christmas. It wasn't very expensive, nor even the prettiest doll in my collection. But I kept that doll and cherished it long after my other Christmas toys had disappeared. It came from someone I loved. Someone who loved me, too. No matter how high the gifts are piled, any Christmas tree is bare which doesn't have love around it. That's why it's so important for us to make our homes places of love. Not just Christmas Day, but every day of the year. And one thing is certain. Love is always present in the home where daily family prayer is a practice. Family prayer will bring love and goodness and understanding the best Christmas gifts any family can receive. 
Shirley Temple will speak again following our family theater play, A Daddy for Christmas, starring Pat O'Brien, Bobby Driscoll, and Linda Johnson. Most people look on Christmas as a special occasion. With me, well, I guess it's what my little Stevie would call extra special. As long as I live, Christmas will be extra special for me now. But in early December last year, when I took Stevie to the toy department of Weber's department store, I had no idea, to quote Stevie again, how extra, extra special that Christmas was going to be. Look, Mommy, look! That glass ball's got real snow in it. And look, there's a reindeer. And there's Santa Claus. Mommy, do you think Santa will talk to me? But you just talked to the Santa across the up uh, when he was across the street. I forgot to tell him something. I think you asked for everything in the store. But okay, this is your picnic. As soon as that little girl gets through. Now, Santa Claus. Well, 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 what a nice little boy. Come here and tell Santa what you want for Christmas. You know. Huh? I'm Stephen Hunt. You know what I want. Uh, Santa, you took his list when you were across the street in Wilson's department store? Oh, oh, yes, yes, that's right. I remember you now. I was getting you all mixed up with another nice little boy I know. Mommy calls me a little scamp. Oh, 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 but you're a nice little scamp? I'll tell you what, son. I I left my notebook across the street. So, uh, how about you giving me that list of all the things all over again? First, uh, what's your address? Stephen Hunt, 2228 Elm Street. All right, Stephen. Now, what do you want for Christmas? Well, I want the sled. Mm-hmm. The bicycle. With two wheels? With three wheels. Oh, that's a tricycle. I don't want a tricycle. I want a bicycle. With three wheels? Uh-huh. Mm. One bicycle with three wheels. I got it. And I want a scooter, a pony, a wagon, and I want a daddy. A daddy? His daddy didn't come back from the war. I don't think Stevie remembers him, but... But all his friends have daddies. And I want a daddy, too. <laughs> I'm afraid a daddy is a little out of Santa Claus's line, darling. <clears throat> uh, well, uh, <clears throat> son, let's, uh, let's check that address again. Stephen Hunt, 20... Stephen Hunt, 2228 Elm Street. That's the first portion of Family Theater. We'll have more after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to Family Theater. It was a lonely Christmas Eve for Stevie and me. Christmas away from my folks and my late husband was just a bit hard to take. But my job as secretary in a lawyer's office didn't allow me time for a trip home. Stevie and I lived in a made-over two-room apartment in one corner of a family dwelling with an entrance off the driveway. Mrs. Ross and my landlady, who took care of Stevie when I was at work, was visiting her daughter's family that evening and over Christmas Day. Stevie and I were alone. Stevie kept rearranging the few wrapped packages at the foot of our little Christmas tree. All right, Stevie, off to bed. I said to bed, not to the window. I'm looking for Santa Claus. Now get to bed. Santa will come after you're asleep. There he is now. There who is? There's Santa Claus. He's coming up the drive with a great big bag. What? Here he comes. Here he comes. Stevie, what on earth? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. I told Mommy it was you. What'd you bring me? 
It is Santa Claus. Oh, please, lady. Uh, don't tell me you don't believe in Santa Claus. I I'll believe anything now. What'd you bring me? What'd you bring me? Well, now, wait. Let me put my bag down first. Oh, what are you doing here? Well, I was just flying by on my reindeer, my sleigh, when I saw what a nice Christmas tree you had and decided to drop in. Well, I couldn't find a chimney on this side of the house, so I decided to use the door. Where's your reindeer? Hmm? Uh, oh, oh, my reindeer. Oh, I sent them back to the North Pole to pick up some more toys. What'd you bring me? Well, let's open my bag here. See what we got for Stephen. Well, bicycle with three wheels. Oh, Mommy, look. Santa Claus remembered. Can I ride it? Can I? It's got a bell. It's got a bell. Mommy, Mommy, what's the matter? Nothing, honey. I'm just happy because, because Santa Claus remembered. He's really asleep now. That uh, Santa suit must be awfully hot. Would you like to take it off? I'll say. Uh, there. Uh, now the beard. Oh, that feels better. <gasps> Why, you, you... What's the matter? You're a young man. Is that bad? No, but... But I just thought Santa Claus was older. I, I mean... You mean you thought Santa Claus was older? Well, I hope you're not too disappointed. My, my name's Joe Regan. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Regan. Won't you... Joe. 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 Won't you please sit down? Well, thanks. <sighs> now, tell me, why did you do this? Uh, not that I don't appreciate well, it, Oh, but... I had to. After all, I'm Santa Claus. And the swell little kid with a pretty and nice-acting mother comes up to me and says, Santa, I want a bicycle with three wheels. Well, what kind of a Santa Claus would I be if I didn't come through? But why, why Stevie? There must have been thousands of boys and girls who ask you for presents. Why, Stevie? Well, maybe it's because he asked for something different. He said he wanted a daddy for Christmas. Oh, no. That's going too far, Joe. I, I mean, Mr. Regan. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I, I'm afraid Stevie won't get his daddy for Christmas. Uh, maybe by Easter? You, you don't think... Oh, no, of course not, but already I, I like you a good deal. Well, I like you too, but... We sound like a couple of kids. A couple of nice kids, I'll have you know. <laughs> Joe, you're crazy. You're the most audacious, the most... Oh, you're very nice, Joe, but that tricycle must have cost a lot of money. You'll have to return it. I won't take that bicycle with three wheels away from Stevie. You do it. Oh, oh no, I couldn't. He already loves it. He... All right, you win. He keeps the tricycle. One round for Joe Regan. But about that daddy business, uh-uh. That's out. But it wasn't out. Joe kept coming around, sometimes to see me and sometimes to take Stevie, who adored him for an outing. We were married shortly before Easter, and we were lucky. We found a little furnished house in a nice section of the city, and I talked Joe into quitting the job he had in a furniture factory, where he did a lot of manual labor, into taking a sales position with the Jensen Hardware Company. Strangely, Joe balked at this and insisted he preferred working with his hands, but he finally gave in. After all, the new job held something of a future. The best part of it all was, for the first time in his war-born life, Stevie began to know what a home was. Strike three, you're out. I am not. That was a foul tip. 
You're out! You're out! All right, we'll have to ask the umpire. Jimmy, wasn't that a foul tip? Uh-uh. You struck out. One, two, three, you're out. Oh, uh, you kids are ganging up on me. It's my bat. Stevie! 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 Hear that, Stevie? I want a bat first. No, no, can't keep Mother waiting. Last one of the house of the monkey's uncle. So long, Jimmy. So long. See you in the morning. Hey, you got a head start. <laughs> I beat, I beat. You're a monkey's uncle. Hello, Mommy. Daddy's a monkey's uncle. <laughs> Hello, darling. My, you're getting harder to pick up every day. Well, how about it? Doesn't a monkey's uncle get a kiss? Ah, better. <laughs> Sometimes it was like having two little boys around the house. But what mother objects to that? There were other times, however, when Joe was more than a little boy to me. Much more. Honey, why did you marry me? What? Why did you marry me? Well, how can you ask a question like that? Well, I guess, well, when I used to pester you about it, I... He used to tell you Stevie needed a father, and that was my main sales talk. Joe, I married you because I love you. I need you. You should know that. Oh, yes, of course. But the way you do it on that kid, well... Joe, I love you so much. I I guess I did almost from the start. When I was Santa Claus? <laughs> no, silly. Well, that's when I fell in love with you. Just as soon as... Stevie told me he wanted a daddy, and I looked at you, realizing I had a chance. You looked like everything I wanted. When I got to know you, you were everything I wanted. And Joe was everything I wanted. At least that's what I thought until late one afternoon in August. Hello, Mary. What's the matter? Joe, the lights won't go on. They're on next door, and I checked the fuses... Joe, you didn't forget to pay the bill. I'm afraid I did forget, honey. I, I didn't have anything to pay it with. I thought they gave you a second notice. But, Joe, we budgeted. Why didn't you have anything? I was fired last Thursday. The boss didn't think that you I... You haven't been working a week and you didn't tell me? I'm sorry, honey. I didn't want to worry you. But you've been leaving the house the same time every morning. I didn't want you to know until I got something new. You seemed to take it for granted I was doing so well. I just didn't want to worry you, that's all. <laughs> No, don't do anything to worry me. Just have the light company turn off our lights without notice. I'll have them on again tomorrow. But how? I said I'd have them on tomorrow, and that's enough. Don't speak to me like that. Well, stop putting me through a third degree. Now I suppose you want to know why I got fired. Well, it's because I'm a lousy salesman, that's why. You're the only one who thinks I'm a, I'm a personality kid. Don't worry, Joe. You'll get something better, something with a real future. And about the bill, I've got some money saved. I said I'd pay that bill. He paid the bill all right by pawning two pieces of his very fine leather luggage. That was our first quarrel. A couple of weeks later, Joe was in the yard cutting the lawn when Stevie came home from school. Hi, Stevie. High school. It's fun, but, Daddy, all the kids have cowboy boots. Can I have them? Well, uh, let me see. Let me think about that a little, Stevie. No. No, we might as well start in being frank about these things right now. Come here, son. Jimmy's got cowboy boots with red and yellow. Stevie, I want you to listen to me. There are times when our family doesn't have much money and we have to get along without some of the things we'd like to have. Some other times we'll 
Have a little extra money and get some of those extra things. Then I can't have those cowboy boots? I'm afraid not, fella. Not right now. Yes, you will, honey. We'll go downtown and get you some cowboy boots Saturday. Mary, I didn't know that I'm you... going to get some boots. I'm going to get some boots. I'm going to go tell Jimmy. You shouldn't have told him to get those boots just after I said we couldn't afford it. All the other youngsters are wearing them, and I don't want him to know we can't afford it. You've got to learn sometime. Well, there are things we can't have just for the asking. Well, he's too young to learn now. All right. But how can we pay for them out of my unemployment money? I, I got a little money from my folks this week. They sent it to help outfit Stevie for school. Oh, I didn't know. The way his shoulders drooped when he turned for me to walk into the house. I wanted to run after him and cradle his head in my arms like I do my other little boy when he's hurt. But I didn't. Weeks passed and Joe couldn't seem to find a job. At least not the kind I wanted him to have. But Mary, every time I think I can get a job, you say it isn't suitable... What do you want to live like anyway? Joe, it's not me I'm thinking of. I just want to be sure Stevie gets all the things he needs. I see. I'll keep looking for the career job so Stevie can get all the things you think he needs. He tried, but that was all. Finally, I spoke to Mr. Emerson, and he offered me my job back. I thought Joe would raise the roof, but... So you're going back to work, huh? Just until you get something good again. Oh, I guess that's best. No need for Stevie to do without things because I can't provide them. That's all he said. Somehow I'd have felt better if he'd objected, even insisted I didn't take the job. So I returned to work for the first time since we were married. The third evening after work when I came home, the house was strangely quiet. Joe! Joe! (laughs) Stevie! Stevie, honey, what's the matter? Oh, oh, Daddy, Daddy. What about Daddy? He went away to go his things. Oh, no. No, Stevie. Honey, did, did he leave anything? A, a letter for Mommy? Oh, here it is on the table. Dearest Mary. I know you'll think I'm a quitter and despise me for leaving this way. But it's going to be hard enough saying goodbye to Stevie. And I'm afraid you might change my mind. And we'd all... Be worse off. I can't stay. Can't marry because I can't be the things you want your husband and Stevie's father to be. I'll never do big things. In fact, I don't especially want to. I don't want to be anything more than just an ordinary guy. Bus driver, a mechanic, something like that. That's the whole story. Goodbye. And good luck. And if by some strange chance I do get ahead, I'll try to make up for this. I promise. I love you always. Joe. That's how Joe walked out of our lives, less than ten months after he had entered. At first I didn't see how I could bear it. But life must go on. And then, of course, there was Stevie. I've written all Joe's relatives, all his friends. They haven't heard from him either. Poor Stevie. He's tried to keep up a brave front. But many times at night I hear him crying himself to sleep. Sometimes, at first, I cried in bed too. Then I started telling myself, at least this way Stevie won't grow up under the influence of a father utterly lacking in ambition. And I got some satisfaction in knowing that when Jimmy Webster got a fur-lined aviator cap, my boy got a fur-lined aviator cap, too. 
That is, I did until last Saturday when Jimmy came over to our house. You make swell cookies, Mrs. Regan. Thank you, Jimmy. You'll get some as soon as they're finished. When's Mr. Regan coming back? Uh, I, I don't know. Jimmy, does Stevie talk about him much? No. You don't talk about him at all. I wish he was my dad. Jimmy! I guess that's wrong, but Mr. Regan always played with us kids. Showed us how to throw a ball. Right way to hold a bat. Things like that. My dad hardly even talks to me. I don't think he even likes me. Oh, your daddy loves you. Well, why do you suppose he's always getting you all those nice presents and those swell clothes? If he loves me, why doesn't he act like Mr. Regan? Jimmy, you've got to love your own father. If he doesn't seem to pay enough attention to you, remember he's a very important man and he has to keep busy. I wish Mr. Regan was home. He's like the only dad I ever had. It was then I finally realized the terrible thing I had done to my Stevie and to Joe. And I'd had the nerve to nag him for not giving Stevie the things a father should. I'd even held up Jimmy's father as an example. Poor Joe. He must be feeling lonely, too. I suppose he was a department store Santa Claus again this year. Somewhere. Wonder what he's doing tonight. Christmas Eve. I could almost scream the way Stevie keeps looking out the window. Stevie, don't you think it's time you went to bed? Just a little longer, Mommy. Maybe Santa Claus will still come. What can I say? Oh, Joe. Joe, if I could only reach you now to tell you I've learned my lesson. I don't care if we're ever rich. What kind of work you do. What counts is you're good for me and Stevie. What counts is you, you, and Joe. Joe. It's Christmas. Do you think Santa'll come, Mom? I hope so, Stevie. I hope so. But if he were going to, he'd be here by now. It would be like Joe to come back tonight for Stevie. Maybe if he comes back for Stevie, I can get him to stay for me. Oh, Joe. Mommy, what's the matter? <laughs> Nothing, honey. Nothing at all. Okay, it's off to bed with you. Are you crying because Santa Claus didn't come? Never mind. It's time. I'll get it. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Don, I knew you'd come. I knew it. It's Santa Claus! Santa Claus! Oh, oh, watch it, my beard. Santa Claus's whiskers are coming off. It's Daddy! 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 Hello, son. Mommy, Daddy Santa Claus! Yes, dear. Daddy Santa Claus. You're back to stay, aren't you, Joe? Yes, I'm back. And Mary, I'm sorry I left the way I did. I was a coward. From now on, I'll try to be the kind of a guy you want. No, dear. From now on, just be yourself. That's the kind of guy I want. Oh, Mary. Oh, enough of this mush stuff. I gotta go about my business. Stevie been a good boy? Perfect. Just like his daddy. Well, that's too bad. Well, let's see what we got here. Ooh, a racer! With big rubber tires. Thank you, Santa. Daddy? Daddy? What is it, fella? I know where you've been. You do? You've been up at the North Pole making toys. You know, 
I couldn't have thought of a better explanation. That's the only one I ever want to hear. This is Shirley Temple again. You know, poets often have the gift of expressing our feelings far better than we can ourselves. Here is a poem I think you'll like. It's called The Flight of Prayer. Who knows what wonders happen when we pray, what forces stir, what golden blessings run toward us on glad feet each time we say, in all sincerity, Thy will be done. We cannot follow with our mortal sight the flight of prayer. We cannot hope to chart its secret course. But suddenly a light dawns and the weight is lifted from our heart. For prayer has powers that we know not of to heal and comfort, to provide and bless. All the resources of eternal love move to sustain us in the hour of stress, clothing us safely round with life and power in even the darkest and most urgent hour. Thank you for being with us, and God bless you. O'Brien, Linda Johnson, and Bobby Driscoll for their fine performances, and to Jack Lyman for writing our play. Max Tare scored and conducted the music. This transcribed production of Family Theater Incorporated was directed by David Young. Next week, our Family Theater star will be Margaret O'Brien in Blessed Are They. Your host will be Dick Haynes. This series of the Family Theater broadcasts is made possible by the thousands of you who felt the need for this kind of program and by the mutual broadcasting system which has responded to this need. Be with us next week at this same time when Margaret O'Brien and Dick Hames will star on Family Theater. Tony Lafrano speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. And that's Family Theater from December 15, 1948, with a Daddy for Christmas, hosted by Shirley Temple and uh, starring Pat O'Brien, Bobby Driscoll, and Linda Johnson is heard on Mutual. Let's take a quick break, then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Do you love classic radio shows? Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five cds every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show log on to classicradioclub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five cds for only 4.99 that's classicradioclub.com or call toll free 888-642-6556 that's 888-642-6556 
Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Well, next time, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. stars in The Silent Men, a good Christmas show from 1951. Then Bob Hope has his Christmas show from 1938. His special guests, Arthur Lake and Penny Singleton of Blondie fame. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.